Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their views on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factum Agri, farmer Sarah Black joins me to discuss how the summer season is going and what the big issues are for farmers currently. Sarah joins me now. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning, Angus. It's a pleasure to be here. Please, can you tell me about your farm, where you are located, and what you farm? So, my husband, Matt, and I, together with our two children, farm at Marble Point Station, which is a 2,400-hectare hill country property located bang on State Highway 7, halfway between Hanmer Springs and Culverton in beautiful North Canterbury. Uh, we farm in an equity partnership with Robin, Pip, Paula and Jeremy Wilson from West Melton and we farm 4,000 Corridale ewes and 400 Angus breeding cattle, breeding cows. Um, and we also have a support block a bit closer to Colverton, which is about 70 hectares, uh, which we use to support the larger operation. Do you finish all your own progeny? Yes, we do. Well, we Good try one. to. And, yeah, yeah. And, and so we we did last year and we're hoping to again this year. How has summer been for you? Many are starting to dry off a bit. What has it been like at your place? To be honest, the summer's been pretty kind to us. Uh, we've been lucky enough to pick up reasonable amounts of rain over the last couple of months, which has kept the grass growing and the creeks flowing. We actually measured mm. 70 mils in the gauge over January. Right. Uh, so that's that's kept us ticking along, and last week was probably the first spell of hot weather that we've actually had. Fantastic. That could all change with the cyclone. Yes, that is looming on us by the looks of it, isn't it? It absolutely is. Um, are the conditions you are seeing this summer for you indicative of the region, or are your conditions localised? I, I think Canterbury... Um, by and large is faring pretty well this summer which mm. is reflective of the La Nina uh, system so it, it's been slightly cooler and there's been a little bit more humidity and rain which makes a bit of a change from the typical hot dry east coast summer although I think Banks Peninsula is maybe a little bit drier than the rest. Mm. So obviously there's a bit more feed around the summer for you in particular have you made any changes to stock levels this summer or does your program stay relatively similar each year regardless of how the season tracks? Well, year to year we do make some sort of minor changes depending on the season, but this year we haven't had to make any changes. Mm. Uh, it's what, it's probably one of those rare years where we actually probably have too much feed and not quite enough mouths to eat it. Mm. Uh, so as, as a result, we've decided to hold on to some older ewes a bit longer in the hope that the mutton schedule lifts a bit. And as I said, we're planning on finishing all our lambs. So we'll we'll just stick with that at the moment and see how it goes. Yeah, that could be quite a good move, actually, because obviously looking at the markets, of course, lamb has come off the boil a bit. Has this been impacting you and your planning? Yes, it has. Um, The lamb price has been pretty disappointing um, this year because we've had a pretty good lambing. The weather's been good and the lambs have grown out really well. Uh, But as the season's gone on, we've just watched the schedule slowly drop down. Uh, this week, I think it's sitting at about $6.50 a kilo, mm. uh, whereas this time last year, it was closer to 8 
Um, mm. So so we budgeted reasonably conservatively, but the prices we're getting are obviously below that figure. And, and that is going to have an um, impact on our budgeting and our planning definitely in the short term to, to adjust for that. Yeah, sure. What about beef? How do you see this year playing out? Well, I'm told it's holding steady at the moment um, after softening over the last couple of months, but that's mm. probably due to the same factors that farmers are just holding on to stock a little bit longer to increase the weights to offset that price drop. Mm. And of course, if there's, particularly in Canterbury, if there's a bit more feed around, holding on to some stock to chew out some grass that's there will hopefully have a positive impact on that market too, right? Yep, quite right. So there are signals that potentially the price may lift uh, in the second half of the year, but I think we've all learned our lessons and we won't count those chickens just yet. Mm. Now, what about policy? Policy is a big area that I focus on a lot, well, on a weekly basis, to be fair. And there are many things coming out at farmers from many angles currently. Which policies do you see as the biggest challenge for farmers at the moment? <clears throat> Absolutely. Policy is a huge area for farmers. And it's it, to be honest, it's really difficult not to feel overwhelmed by the amount of regulation and compliance that seems to be coming our way. As a sheep and beef farmer, ag emissions is most definitely our number one concern. The current proposed model doesn't really do extensive sheep and beef farms any favours, and our low-intensity system seems to almost unfairly bear the costs compared to our level of income. Mm. Um, and we just don't have any certainty at this point of you know how that levy is going to be set or what the price will, will be. So it's really hard to be brave and you know, and plough ahead with long-term planning when you just don't know where those goalposts are going to be. Mm, completely agree on that. It is a challenging space. Um, we haven't heard anything out of policymakers this year yet on, yet, or well, quite right, yet it will be coming just on that emissions levy. So it'll be interesting to see. I know that I spoke to Damien O'Connor. He came on the show last year. He signaled change in that space. So it'll be interesting to see what's in the detail when they do make some announcements. And of course, with the change of Prime Minister, who knows what's happening in that beehive right now? Quite right. And in an election year, I'm sure things are probably a little bit more likely to change than they were last year. Um, mm. But I think some submissions have also just closed for the Natural and Built Environments Act, which yep. is actually... an a piece of legislation of critical importance to food producers. But as I understand it, it was 800 pages long. And I'd say most farmers just didn't have the energy to go through the detail and have probably left it up to industry bodies to submit on that one because it's it's just a lot uh, to get through. Who has time as a farmer and a business owner to sit through 800-something pages on policy? No one has the time to do that, do they? No, they don't. And I don't even know if our home printer could cope with that number of pages. I'd, I'd yeah. probably go through a couple of cartridges just to get it sitting in front of me. Oh, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It is. And and this is the thing. Farmers are busy and, you know, at, at certain times of the year, they're working really long days. And it takes a lot of time and focus to go through that kind of detail and, and actually make sense of it as to how it applies to your property. So it, it's a job in of itself on mm. top of one that you've already got. Yeah. Hey, what about technology or technology space? Are there any areas there that you're keeping an eye on in terms of development that might improve efficiencies for farmers, either in stock management, production, or better environmental outcomes? 
Well, we do like to keep an eye on technology and adopt things where we can. I guess everyone's keeping an eye on the methane reduction advances at the moment. Mm. uh, And potentially we may need to start picking our rams and bulls based on their level of methane emissions. Uh, But the current discussion at home is probably around the use of drones on farm. Oh, yes. because, (laughs) Because... have it, owning a property and uh, definitely with a large property, you've always got that responsibility to ke- look after the land and keep on top of weeds and pests. Yeah. And as you as you're probably already aware, Angus, North Canterbury um, is home to a little bit of gorse and broom, and it does enjoy mm. living here. Yep. So we loves it. My, <laughs> it certainly does. So my husband spends a lot of time walking up and down hills searching out the single broom bushes that he can find. So he's particularly keen on one of these big expensive spray drones with a 20 litre tank underneath just to save his legs going up and down those hills. Yeah, fair enough too. I think that's a good idea. A lot of people are starting to use them for many applications on farm. Technology is advancing quite rapidly in the space of identifying species uh, and plants to target, which is pretty cool. Mm, No, it's really cool because it is hard to get to them and, you know, broom is particularly cunning and mm. you think, you think you've think you gone through and got all of it and then in some place where there was none last year, there'll pop up a few little yellow flowers and you start from scratch all over again. Mm. Hey, um, we touched on the emissions pricing. Do you think the drive to lower farmer emissions is a valid one? Well, I agree that we all have a responsibility to to farm in a way that doesn't negatively impact the environment because we have to live here. Farmers have to farm in the environment in which they live, as does the next generation. And pricing emissions is most definitely a strong deterrent to doing that. Mm. Uh, But with the current model, Mm. the reality is we have large stands of existing native bush, manuka, kanuka and kofi, on the farm and a, and a significant amount of scrub, such as Matagauri, um, and possibly close to a thousand hectares of tussock land. All of that, you know, when you look around, all of that is sequestering carbon, mm. but it doesn't meet the criteria of the ETS or mm. the Hewaka Ekanoa framework. Mm. So potentially we may be carbon neutral if yep. we took into account all that vegetation, but the equation just doesn't include that second half. Mm. Um, and so we worked out our carbon footprint last year, and based on the suggested pricing by Hewaka Ekanoa, the annual liability without discounts came out at over $230,000 a year. Mm, right, significant. Which Significant, and, and it's a significant cost that would mean that we would have to change something that we were doing. We couldn't keep farming while bearing that cost year to year. Yeah. Uh, which, which seems crazy when sheep and beef farmers uh, have one of the lowest carbon footprints in the world, and yet the by pricing emissions, we'd be reducing our production, which would potentially move offshore. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Not in the big picture, no. no. What about inflation? Is this impacting you on the farm? Obviously, high interest rates is an area of concern, particularly for homeowners, but how does this impact the farm business? Yes, absolutely it does. Inflation seems to be rampant across the board for consumers and farmers aren't immune to that. Uh, Speaking with our bank manager the other day, he suggested that he was seeing costs up 30 to 40%, um, which 
which makes it really difficult to budget and you know you can put your numbers on a page but there's a lot of wishing and prayer prayers that go with that yeah uh, and it, it doesn't and it doesn't appear that the situation's going to improve significantly anytime soon so we're, we're just going to cre- tread cautiously and um probably make decisions um based on that higher cost whatever that may end up being and mm. make our best guess mm. Hey, what are you seeing land values doing at the moment? They seem to be, through miles anyway, marching on, and it's getting harder to grow farming businesses through land acquisition. Yep, I, I understand that the farmland seems to be holding its value uh, despite the climbing interest rates, mm. and and land, or especially sheep and beef land, has increased, but I think that has more to do with, with the farm forestry sales that are coming through, yep. although... I don't know if that's as big an issue in North Canterbury as it is in other parts of the country, um, mm. but but it, but the reality is it makes it difficult for farmers to compete because we we can only borrow against the money that we have coming in, and this year that's going to be lower. Mm. Now, what about the family farm in general? I'm not talking about your family farm business specifically, but in general, is there concern that it is harder for families to retain their properties, and is succession getting harder? Well, I think farming at the end of the day is a business and uh, the value and ease and success of a business is based on the money coming in and um, and the money coming out. And as as long as there's a a safe buffer between those numbers, then you do okay. But Mm. uh, land prices are pretty high and and, and when it comes to farm succession, that's never necessarily an easy thing because it means that the amount of money that one generation passes to the next is significant. And if that next generation uh, doesn't bring equity to the equation, potentially there's a there's a big difference between mm, the two. Yeah, indeed. Based on what we're talking about, areas, you know, you've got the march of carbon forestry, which hopefully we're going to see the brakes put on this year, in my view. You've got land continually getting more and more expensive. There's pressure on policy. What does the future look like for farming in New Zealand? Well, I think we're we're obviously going through a period of change and transition and and there's a little bit of pressure on farmers at the moment but if if we can get the government behind us and supporting our industry I can't see why the future wouldn't be a really bright one for farmers we're one of the world's most efficient food producers and I'd also help hope that that future had a place for wool which is an amazing product and just can't seem to catch a break at the moment um but you know, taking into account all the natural advantages we have as a country that I think many other countries would love to have and we just take for granted, um, we're pretty well placed to make the most of the opportunities. Uh, we're, the reality is we're world leaders in producing food. We produce high quality protein using a sustainable pasture-based system and even though consumer tastes may change, there will always be a place for that high quality food and that's that's where we need to be and and so I think it's really bright. Wool is staggering to me you know it it is such a wonderful product how do you see the future for wool I mean when are we all going to wake up and not only as a nation but as a global market utilize this sustainable product once again? I don't know but hopefully very soon yeah Uh, you're, you're right it's a it's a great product it's a natural product it's produced sustainably 
but you've, you've really got to believe in its future because sharing costs are going up in line with everything else. And, and we, we run corridors, which is a mid micron sheep. So, mm. you know, and, and, and produces wool. So, you know, that's, that's one of our income streams. And I guess we're just right on the edge, just waiting for that breakthrough where, where someone connects the dots, some clever scientist somewhere and, and people actually realize what it is. It, it's not plastic. It's not going to live forever. It, it's actually something that we can use and, and it looks after us. Because these must be real conversations you have in the office around uh, the sheep breed that you that you have on the property and which direction you could potentially go in, into the future, right? Yes, it is. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of trouble, um, you know, getting shearers. The contractors under pressure. Australia is pay, paying shearers um, more than they're getting in New Zealand. So we're we're really lucky to have the shearers that we have here. Uh, they're they do an amazing job and you know they're real athletes but mm. it, it's a it's a significant cost and we've been at marble point for five years now and mm. over that time it's the the income we've made off wool has just dropped like mm. a stone mm. um and even though there seems to be a little bit of a bright spark we've had there's been a couple of auctions where the price has gone up but it, it's not significantly high enough yet um to to really double down on that, yeah, um, yeah, and, and and so we need we need a product or we need something that can really utilize it beyond carpets and blankets and jerseys. Mm. Um, we we need something beyond that. Mm. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that space. I've got faith in the product, and and you're right. We uh we need someone to come along, create a new market or a new product for what is essentially arguably the most sustainable product. Uh, in the world I would argue wool it's incredible so we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that look Sarah I've really really enjoyed chatting with you today thank you very very much for your time I'll let you get on no problem thanks very much Angus yes it's election year and it will be a significant one for this nation and for our farmers are we going to see a slowdown of new and unworkable policy that continues to be thrown farmers way by the current government To be perfectly honest, it doesn't matter who is in government, in my view. What matters, and I've said it before, this country needs policies that are farmer-led and that stand the test of time and underpin New Zealand's primary industry. Farming is too important to this country for political ideology and changes to how farmers can operate on their land every election cycle. Policies should encourage good practice and it should reward good operators at a farm level. If we're going to bring in an emissions tax on farmers, then get the equation right. We have to recognise and calculate all on-farm sequestration because unless this is counted, there can't be a net emission profile. And I'm sick of hearing from politicians saying they are doing this, that and the other for farmers and rural communities, when in reality their policies completely contradict any support for the farming community that they say they are doing. It's time to get real and it's time for policymakers to wake up and help to drive the primary industry forward, not hold it back. Holding the primary industry back holds the country back. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.